Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hi, Don. And our correspondent, Allison Trowbridge. Hey, Don. Allison joins us from New York City today. How's the weather in New York? It's beautiful. It's sunny. The leaves are starting to fall. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the air. <laughs> I confess, we're actually recording this in June, and we're pretending it's September. <laughs> it's September. That's very, we're method acting. We're method we are acting. method acting. Mm-hmm. We have been waiting to play your interview with Sarah, the Duchess of York, for months. Yeah. This is one of the ones I'm most excited for. But we are finally able to air this interview. And I was amazed because, you know, when you came on as our correspondent, it was one of the first interviews that you did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, um, she's hired. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. How in the world do you know Sarah, the Duchess of York? Believe it or not, it was actually through my anti-trafficking work. So ah. a good friend of mine from California is British, knows Sarah, and when I introduced him to the issue of anti-trafficking, he said, well, let me host a dinner party for you in London and I'll invite some of the most influential people that I know. And I said, great, let's do it. I love a good dinner party. I would never say no to that dinner party in London. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about a dozen people. And Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York shows up and I don't get nervous very easily. And to meet her for the first time was really incredible. And since then, we introduced her to the issue. She got very involved in the work and has become a beloved friend. I consider her, you know, she's my fairy godmother in England. That I just, is so awesome. One of my favorite people in the entire world. I want a royal fairy godmother. I do too. How do you get one of those? <laughs> you have to be involved in having dinner parties in London, so it looks like we need to go. <laughs> I'm ready. If that's all it takes. Wow. She's the most magnetic, inspiring personality, and she's someone who could just enjoy her life. And she is instead used every moment to advocate for important causes. And oh my goodness, she inspires me to actually do something with my life. Wow. (laughs) So we were able to catch up actually at the Royal Lodge where the Queen Mother grew up, which if anyone has watched The Crown, I I was geeking out over that. Did you? Did they film it at the actual place? I don't know, actually. Huh. I don't know. But you get a feel for it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And to be there, we got to drink tea from the Queen's tea set. Come on. I mean, Did was... you take, like, the thing of Splenda and put it in your pocket? <laughs> they certainly wouldn't miss this one little spoon. <laughs> this one little thing. I know. Seriously. Because during the royal wedding, I didn't realize that I was a fan of royals. I didn't yeah. think about it until I saw the royal wedding, and now I'm all in. Oh. Like, I'm all in. I've done so much research on lineage, and now I just want to watch everything. I've watched The Crown. We I'm watched The Crown. We watched the whole Crown yeah. thing. That's incredible. If you it, haven't it, seen it's that. It's so if good. If you're like one of the three people who haven't yeah, seen that, you've got to so good. Yeah. But you lived it. You <laughs> I don't actually, know about actually that. Lived it. But Sarah married Prince Andrew, who was one of the Queen's four children. So she was sister-in-law with Princess Diana. So she was very close to Princess Di. Her and Andrew are divorced, but they're the best of friends. And Yeah, that's a funny story. They actually still live in the same house, right? Yeah, they live in different wings, and um, it's actually pretty beautiful. So in the interview, it was so fun because we got into her passion for social issues and what it's been like for her to be a working mother and how important motherhood is for her. It was really, really fascinating and, and shared a lot from the heart. It was it was a really special episode, probably one of the my favorite interviews that I've done. Yeah, it's a biographical piece. It's really it's yeah. really for the purpose of inspiring. Allie can't answer this question because she was actually there, but JJ, let me ask this to you. Yeah. Do you or do you not 
steal the little spoon if you're having tea with the Duchess? Do you take something? Oh my gosh. Do you take something from the house? I I don't know. That's actually a really tough question for me. <laughs> um, I would be so tempted, but I would also want to get invited back. Are you? Be- so that's like I, first that's, of all, I don't believe yeah. you would actually be tempted. Uh, well, to take a little spoon, I would. I'm pretty I sure you'd be go tempted to, you'd to be take something stored in the Tower of London for the rest of your something. life. So when I was on. This goes back to some of the other stuff we've talked about. When I was on different TV shows, I actually... You this took was, something from every set. I did, but it, out of the trash. I took it out of the trash every time. So you have like so the I office have, bobblehead. No, no, none of that kind of stuff. Like uh, when I was on an episode of My Name is Earl, there was a flyer for a band and, uh, and they threw that away and I took that. Gotcha. So like that's the kind of thing is I would be the kind of person who might, this is really gross and sad, but I'm admitting it on air, like... I would probably find some trash at the, at the, the, wow, I'm never getting invited. I am never getting invited. <laughs> but this is Here's, why Allie I'll just, I'll goes. Re-answer it. I'll re-answer it. No, Don, I would not. There is Too bad. We've got it me. on tape. Dang it. Allie gets invited to these things and yeah, we don't. And this exactly. is exactly why. There was a time I was invited to something at the White House. I think it was during the Obama administration. And I was using the bathroom. This is a true story. I was washing my hands at the sink and the, towels or whatever they're made of paper but they're a little yeah. thicker and they have the presidential seal on them and i actually dried my hands and i looked at it for a couple seconds and i actually took it and i folded it up and i was putting it in my inner pocket and i mean a marine guard came through that door no. seriously yeah came through the door and was clearly there to say first of all everybody's probably doing it and you know those guys are sitting there on the other side of that mirror waiting yeah waiting to embarrass somebody and they saw me look the dude was in the door so fast. Wow. And he wasn't going to say anything because yeah. it's a napkin. It was more like, this is their little joke. When yeah. somebody takes the napkin, oh, wow. they want to know because they don't have anything else to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's actually terrible. They probably have a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, that's the kind uh, of person no, I am. No, I would not. I would not take anything. Well, JJ, since you and I probably are not going to be invited yeah, to Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably not. I would be so scared I'm just going to break something. I would be so good. I would be so good. But yes, we would probably not be invited. Exactly. But. What do I do with my hands? Yes. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, we're all getting to go. We all get to go to through the Allie. Royal Lodge through Allie. Yeah. Allie, here's your conversation with Sarah Ferguson, the Duchess of York. I'm here with Sarah, the Duchess of York. Sarah, welcome to the show. I know, it's very exciting, Alison, after all these years. How long have we known each other? Oh gosh, I think it's eight years now, seven years, something yeah. like that. Well, I really have always admired you. I think you're extraordinary. You look about the age of, um, I don't know, is it okay to talk about age, but you look like <laughs> a teenager. Do and I? Your skin, <laughs> and your skin is so annoying. I, I want to know all your secrets. <laughs> the so most funny. extraordinary for these for anyone listening is that you, I know you can't see the lovely Alison, but she's just a very, very beautiful person inside and out. So I'm thrilled to be here talking to you today. And now you all know why I love the Duchess, who is one of my favorite people on the planet. Now I have to ask you the burning question that I think all of our listeners are wondering. Have you watched The Crown? I turned on to watch The Crown. And when I turned it on, I started to cry. Hmm. And I went downstairs and said to Beatrice, why am I crying? And I was crying with great honor hmm. and great awe at what an incredible, incredible queen we have hmm. and her sense of duty and how at such a young age she was so in love and yet she really 
devoted her entire life and still does to be the queen and to yeah. rule this country and her sense of duty is bar none. So I realized my tears were of such honor that I really, it was just extraordinary to have tears. Most time tears seemed to be tears of sadness, but it wasn't, it was tears mm. of honor. Mm. And uh, then I went on to watch it and I, I felt so strongly about the cinematography, which was completely beautiful. Yeah. And whether Peter Morgan is right or wrong or whether history is right or wrong, that's for me. I was looking and feeling how lucky we all are in this country to have a monarch that is so steadfast, consistent yes. and shows up. Yes. And at 90 years old, 91 years old, is able to go ride, rides a horse. That is, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, Does she yes, really? absolutely. Yes. Wow. What do I think of the crown? I'm lucky enough to be in a position to be in such awe of such an incredible lady that it. I'm very lucky. I think the, the cinematography is beautiful too. Well, and it's been fun, I think, for the American public to get more of an insight into the monarchy, which we haven't quite understood well in the past. And and even to imagine for you having the queen as your mother-in-law, what an incredible life you've been able to live. Every single day. I, I just came down the stairs to talk to you, Alison, and I turned around to this little friend following me, Sophia, and I said, I really have an extraordinary life, don't I? Mm. And it was because I'd just gone past a photograph of Diana and I at uh, the, it must have been the Prince of Wales's 40th birthday, yeah. and uh, Diana had lent me uh, emeralds to wear. Mm. And uh, I went past the photograph and I was just quickly went into the friendship of Diana, who's obviously here around me today because I keep talking about her. Mm. And I miss her, absolutely her tinkling laughter. And, uh, mm. and as I looked at the necklace, I suddenly re realized that last week Catherine had the exact necklace on. Really? In the front of Hello magazine, yeah. Really? And I just, I just sort of put it all together and I suddenly went, what an extraordinary life. It truly is. I, I, really, I really have had the luckiest life of any single person. Yeah. I, really, you couldn't possibly write it, although I think many people do write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what, what I love and admire so much about you, and you're a role model of mine, is how you've used this incredible life to contribute and be a voice for those who, who need a voice in the world. And your philanthropy work is just bar none. And I'm so excited to have our listeners get to hear more about this term that you've coined, philanthropreneurship, which I love, um, but really how you've brought this entrepreneurial spirit to the philanthropy work that you do and how intrinsic it is to your life. Well, uh, thank you, Alison. The, for anybody listening, I believe that if you can try and be thoughtful and have empathy and mm. if I was to give nuggets for any businesswoman out there or businessman out there that is just starting out, it's really about putting yourself in other people's shoes. What would you want if you were the customer? Mm. So what would you want if you were in a refugee camp? You would want to know that you had enough food. You would want to know where the nets are for malaria. You'd want to know where a tent is. You, you'd want to know how to have women's hygiene products if you're a woman. You, know, yeah. you, you would want all those things. So I go into my philanthropy work thinking of how I would feel and mm. what would I wish for. Mm. And by doing that, you then, I think, have empathy for, for whether it be a little child that is um, homeless on the streets of Liberia 
with no possible hope. If you were that child, what would you want? Yeah. And one particular example of philanthropeneurship, which I know you would like me to give, Alison, is this exact little girl was called Felicia. And I went up to her and she had very, very few clothes on. And I said, uh, what's your name? She said, Felicia. I said, what's your dream? She said, to cook. Hmm. And I said, fine, why aren't you? And she said, well, because no one's here to help me or teach me. So we got her to learn to bake in really? the middle of Liberia. Yes. Really? Yeah, in a place called Sestas. Wow. And she is now 22 years old and has her own tea room and looks after 20 of her family members. Wow. That is philanthropeneurship. Hmm. You take a dream, make it happen, and then they are the ones that make the fish. Uh, you just give the rod, not the fish. Mm. And and that is what I really stand for and believe mm. in. And I believe that everybody has that right. So when your listeners are saying, oh, well, you know, that charity, or why do we have to do charity? And what? It's not about charity. I don't even mm. think the word is right anymore, Alison. I agree. I agree so much. Mm. I think it's about having an understanding of, of what you would want in a position and you would want someone to help you get to that position and, yeah. and whatever it takes. I, It's the same example I give when a girl or a, or a man has been human trafficked mm. and they have been abused and, and mentally wronged and sex slavery and there is no dignity left. Yeah. There is no dignity. So what are you going to rescue that person but not give them hope that they can change right so uh, an example of philanthropeneurship is also that you you take this young person male or female help them with their whatever trade they wish whether it be designing or vocational skills and then provide a marketplace for them hmm. to sell their goods because otherwise, why are they doing it if there's no way they're going to be able yeah. to get their own brand identity and dignity back so my dream, uh, Alison, is to to start or to work with an already existing e-commerce site to be able to sell the products of every single person that we meet on the travels around the world to help these people that we meet. I, I really believe, and that's why you listeners, business listeners, I hope you're listening loud and clear, is, <laughs> is that what are we doing it for? Mm. Every single time you think you're doing something, what are you doing it mm. for? Whether you're making cakes or whether you're doing philanthropy or whether you're a tech person it doesn't matter what are you doing what do you want what's your personal mission yes. and drive yes what would you say to the small business leader who feels like philanthropy is something that comes later on so they think you know i'm still struggling to make payroll every month or to build my company and i'll kind of think ahead to my giving back once i've established myself a bit more what would you say to that leader i think that Every single person has their own dream and their own right and their own feeling of what they want. So if your inclination is to wait to give, then that's okay too. But I think you mustn't do too much. You mustn't overdo your workload in your day. Just by smiling at someone is good enough. Just by an act of kindness is good enough. So I think the label of charity, the label of philanthropy it can be very onerous. It's a big pressure. Right. So so concentrate on your business, start up, do the best job you can. And as you go along in many steps, perhaps pop down and make some soup at the homeless shelter or be nice to your na next door neighbor and see if they would like some sugar or I don't know, you know doing little <laughs> acts of something yeah. which might help them or 
just being balanced about it. I think yeah. too many people think that they have to go and do charity in order to appease their ego. Hmm. When you're saying it's more in the way that you live and how you go about your life and even how you were describing philanthropreneurship, it's this sense of almost building the bridge for the next person and making a way for them and seeing them as the next person behind you as an entrepreneur and your role is, is that of enabling. Thank you. you. You're very eloquent, Alison. You just summed it up exactly how I should have answered it. <laughs> it's, it's really a human bridge. Yes. And it's, it's interesting to talk to people that aren't watching me because you're listening to my voice, uh, but I'm so expressive in my, that you sometimes are, you are. that I speak we'll with my eyes. We'll do video next time. Yes. We'll do video next time. <laughs> but Alison, when people ask me, what do you do, Sarah? I say that I'm a human bridge. I love that. Yes. I really want your listeners to take the pressure off themselves right now. Hmm. And in listening to this, just be gentle. It's okay. You will get there. Hmm. But you won't get there if you put, it's like revving a car. You're going to burn out the engine. We'll be right back with the rest of Ali's interview in just a moment. StoryBrand has a great resource for you if you're wondering how to do marketing well. You like the framework, maybe you've read the book, but you're wondering how to execute it. We have a free resource at 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. You can either spell it out or use the number 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. I take you through basically the premise of why you should clarify your message, and then I show you a website that we built it's a fictional company we made up, and we built a website for them, and it's perfect. It has everything that a website needs. And if you're looking for that checklist yourself in your marketing, you're going to find it at 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. And again, it's completely free. It's just a gift to you. Go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com and check it out right now, 5minutemarketingmakeover.com, and get your message clarified and execute a website and marketing collateral that will work, that will get a return. 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. Now, one thing that I know is the most passionate part of who you are beyond philanthropy is motherhood and your role as a mother. One of my, I tell people one of my favorite things about you is that when I met you, you had this purse that had Beatrice and Eugenie's faces on the front of it. And you still carry that purse today, which just makes me overjoyed when I see you walk into a room with it. And it's your heart. Your heart is motherhood. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yesterday, the both girls went up on stage for We, the We charity, and uh, it was for Beatrice's charity. Oh, the I Big saw Change. that on Instagram. Yes, yeah. So it was probably one of my proudest moments. Wow. Because I, I said, well, you should have let me know that you were going on at what time and I would have been there. They said, mum, it's like going to school and watching a netball match. You're fine. You've done, <laughs> you've done your time. And I said, well, I would love to see the video of, your, of you speaking. Both girls together as sisters stood up there. Mm. And what they said were those wonderful words that, of course, they remembered from me telling them that you just have to know there's a little flame there glowing inside of you and you just have to stoke the fire occasionally to let the flame really be of yourself shine mm. through and they used that word on mm. stage and I just went okay you got it mate you got it girls that's beautiful They're, we call ourselves the tripod and we are devoted to each other I believe that I'm just their guide yeah. you're absolutely right Alison it is a job that I've done incredibly well now normally I'd never say anything very nice about myself but I will own that one mm. because I really believe that I've learned so much from them 
and they've learned from me. And I believe I've broken the pattern that when my mother abandoned me when I was 12 years old, she didn't know what she was doing. And she chose to marry my stepfather and, and went a long way away. I never got angry with her and I forgave her, of course, but I would never do that to my children. And so it's interesting how when you break a pattern of, yeah. of your life, it really is very rewarding. Hmm. It's incredible that you use the term guide because if you look at any story throughout human history, really, including big films today from Star Wars to The Hobbit to you name it, you see The King's Speech, you see a hero journeying, and then there's this role of a guide. And what StoryBrand has said to small business leaders is don't try to be the hero, be the guide. And I think it's so beautiful that you see your role in the lives of your daughters as this guide. I love that. You see, always when you and I are together, there is this nugget of goodness we learn from each other. Yeah. And all morning have been talking to Kate actually about guide and to be part of a team and to guide rather than to be the center point. And it's so funny. It takes a lot of pressure off you. Hmm. And I believe my role to Bits and Eugenie is to guide. And I'm happy with that role. And, mm. and, and I'm happy to have um, made the mistakes I have in order to help them and guide them through. Yeah. And if I hadn't have made the mistakes, how would I guide them? Hmm. So they don't have to do it. You know, there are so many, I think, women listening to this show who are entrepreneurs and business leaders and either are mothers or hope to be mothers one day. And I think we're in this interesting cultural moment where we're talking a lot about almost how do you balance the two? And I don't know if balance is the right word for it, but what does that journey look like for you as you've lived a very big life, you travel more than anyone I know and have enormous responsibilities, and yet your daughters are your best friends and you have just, you show up for them day in and day out. Thank you. I would say that the word guilt should come out of your dictionary. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's not a word you can use. To all those young mothers out there, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I, I, I've got to give up work because I've got children. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I should be at home with the children. I've got to, or no, or at work, or I, at home with the children. I shouldn't have given up work because now I'm not going to be successful and I'm not. Every which way you look, you look at guilt, whether you do hmm. it, go to work or yes. you don't go to work, yes. it's guilty. Right. Or right. whether you didn't ring, make a telephone call to that person, you're guilty. Yeah. Lose it. It doesn't exist huh. in the Tibetan dictionary. The Dalai Lama doesn't know the word guilt. Really? Nope. And that's why when I made the pilgrimage to His Holiness, it, that's what I learned is this word guilt. It really is your own fear and mind that has made up the whole thing. Wow. So anybody listening right now, I can tell you, Beatrice is 29, she's in her 30th year. And she is doing so much for women and big change. And she's women empowerment. And she's very strong about uh, cyberbullying and really powerfully strong about it. Because, of course, they've both been bullied so badly. But mm. she stands for big change. Mm. That's her organization. And the other day, she asked me to come and make a speech in New York for lunch. So I flew to make the speech for lunch. Wow. And uh, <laughs> she said, uh, Mom, this is all the basketball matches all in one go. <laughs> <laughs> and I showed up and yeah. and she said in her speech, when she introduced me, she said, "Mum, had you not gone to work, had you not done the things you have done and had done, 
I would not be the businesswoman I am today. Wow. You taught me leadership, you taught me responsibility, mm. and you taught me that it's okay to work and it's okay not to be present and it's okay to do the things that I do. Mm. And you taught me that. So I'm so grateful. Now, go back to the days when I commuted to America for Weight Watchers. Right, right. And how I hated five o'clock on Sunday night and putting on my camel coat and leaving wow. the girls. Every week? Every week. Wow. Mm. I didn't realize you did that. Mm. Yeah. And I did it, but, and I always thought to myself, oh my gosh, the, the girls, you know, what are they going to think? And I've not been present. And look at them now. Yeah. They're the best example of anybody listening. Just show up when you need to show up, but be present mm. when you do show up. Yeah. So it really is about the quality, not the quantity. You can yes. be there all day and be in a foul mood and on the telephone and watching television and, and screaming at your children. That is not being present. Mm. It's better off giving them 10 minutes of devoted attention and mm. just undiluted, beautiful, fantastic love than a week of craziness and bad moods. Hmm, that's beautiful and encouraging for me because I obviously am not a mother, but I hope to be someday. And sometimes I think, how am I going to juggle everything? And I, I love hearing that because I love your relationship with your girls. You are going to be perfect in every way because it is what it is. Hmm. And I think that a lot of acceptance for, the, for anyone listening, they need to not try to be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Just be who you are. Listen to your instinct because one of the other big nuggets I'd say from this discussion today with you, Alison, is the day I didn't listen to my instinct was the day I got into serious trouble hmm. and I want everybody to walk away from this listening to this saying oh my gosh I do have a voice I will not be silent anymore I will yeah. speak what I feel it is okay to say what you feel and I think uh, Americans are so polite and so lovely and I'm very Anglo-American I'm I'm deeply you, American. I think you, I was mm. I was saying this to your mm. assistant earlier. I think mm. you were, there's an American in there deep down. There is. No, there's no question. <laughs> Hands down. And also, of course, they gave me my life back and they have allowed me to be the mother I am because they looked after me and gave me a job. Wow. And a second chance. Wow. So I'm, I'm very, very pro-America and I'm really excited about the future. And I'm just starting my next chapter of my life now. I love that. Well, and I love that, that you mentioned kind of that trusting, that inner guidance or that gut, because I've been realizing these last few weeks, even just in business, I have so many advisors and people that I turn to for counsel. But at the end of the day, if I just kind of go with what someone else says and don't pause to step back and do that gut check of what actually feels right, what is the right decision in this moment, I always regret it. And when I step back, it's that inner voice is speaking to kind of guide me in the best decision making. Mm. You're 100% correct to do that. It is take a moment. I know everyone out there is going to grab that word, but I call it take a moment mm. because it really is okay. Suddenly, Alison, it's going to be next Thursday and you're going to go, oh my gosh, last week I was at Royal Lodge. Yeah. And so what is time? What is a day? Who made the timetable? Who made the days? What is now? is now. And that's what we have. And it's, it's, I know it's an old cliche, to be present in the present is a present. But actually, <laughs> it is. I love it. I love it. To be present in the present is, is a, a present, present, which is why you are a gift, because you are so present everywhere you go. Thank you. Thank you. And you've had some big news in your family, 
in the last couple of weeks. What's the big update with your daughter? I uh, know, Alison, can you believe it? I can't. Actually, I can. <laughs> I, I, in fact, Alison, I cried when I heard that news too. Oh. I, I keep crying because it is just extraordinary that it is such a big thing. I, I never understood why mothers of brides in the past have always cried. I now get it. <laughs> it is it is very moving. I think you're going to be weeping at the wedding. I think so. No, when I, I no, I better just control myself. I think that. <laughs> but but Jack is quite frankly one of the finest Jack rabbits I've ever ever really? met. Yes, he's a he's a beyond great person, oh, and I, I adore that. him. And so I have a dog called Jack, by the way, listeners. And uh, Jack the dog and Jack the man. So he, I call him Jack the man. Yeah. I've, I love that. Yeah. Just so there's no confusion. You know, no confusion. <laughs> and sometimes when Prince Andrew walks into the room screaming for the dog and then poor Jack jumps up and goes, what? Yes, I'm here. No, no, not you. Jack the dog, not Jack the man. Wow. We have a very close relationship. Congratulations again. And it is just such an honor for us to have you on the show. And I just so appreciate you taking the time. You are Truly, truly one of my favorite human beings and Thank can't you. wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much, Alison. Now you've got to go and see my daughter quickly. Otherwise, she'll give, it, okay. give us okay, both okay. grief we'll for talking too much. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you Sarah. very much. <laughs> Thank you, Alison. Ali, that was a terrific conversation. I mean, it was really an honor that you would do that for us. Yeah. Well, it was an honor that she would come on the show. And now, you guys... She's coming to Nashville. I know. She said she wants Imagine to go through the story brand the security that will be involved. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I will dress up so good, <laughs> and I will. Ha- I will be in. I have good manners, despite what a lot of times I pretend to be on here. I have very good manners, and so I will be very happy to host. Host, Duchess of York. Duchess of York. Yeah. Well, she's more than welcome yeah. to. But she started a tea company and she got so excited about coming through the story brand framework and clarifying her message. So we got to get her to Nashville. We go to London pretty often. Yeah. We can easily uh, explain yeah. the framework to her in yeah. person there. So you <laughs> yeah. put that together and, uh, <laughs> and we're we'll all go. over it. Yeah, yeah, we'll go. <laughs> JJ and I will I go, will go together. in a heartbeat for free. <laughs> can for you free, imagine I us arguing go. over like who gets to make the next point? And yeah. then, well, Don didn't actually say it yeah. correctly. Here's <laughs> the actual part of the internal problem. We're trying to one up each other. Yeah. That's a sitcom episode right there. 100%. <laughs> okay, in next week's conversation, I actually talked to Art Laffer. The name might be vaguely familiar, but Art Laffer created the Laffer Curve, which is incredibly controversial. But if you think about trickle-down economics or supply-side economics, Art created it. Wow. He created it. Yeah, he's an economist out of Stanford and I think University of Chicago. I think he was at Yale. When you look back, it's hard to argue with the fact that when you look back over the American economy, and how much it's grown over the years. Art Laffer's been a big part of that from Reagan on. He's certainly influenced conversation. He's got some real enemies out there. But I found him to be incredibly charming, incredibly winsome, and true to my heart, if you want me to like you real quickly, show me that you're bipartisan. Show me that you're not... Don, I'm bipartisan. (laughs) (laughs) And Art Laffer, of all people, did that. Yeah. He actually talks about his favorite two presidents are Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton. Yeah. And That's then he really talked cool. about George W. Yeah, George W. and Barack Obama. He didn't like their economic policies. And so this isn't a conversation about politics. It's actually a conversation about economics. And I thought it was fascinating. You're going to want to pay attention next week, especially if you're curious about how the Trump administration, how their economic policies are going to affect you. Art gets into that, too. But here's a little snippet of my conversation with Art Laffer. What you do is you have politicians who don't bear the consequences of their own actions. That's why I want to have politicians get merit pay. 
You know, that's if the, fascinating. Oh, well, if the economy grows at 3% per annum, they get their paycheck. That's fine. I'm fine with that. You think they'd be over-focused on the economy? If it grows at 4%, that's what I hope they are. Yeah. If it grows at 4%, double their pay. Grows at 5%, triple their pay. Grows at 2%, no pay. Grows at 1%, they owe us the money that would have been their pay. <laughs> you know, they would no longer vote the stupid way they vote. That's very interesting. You know, what do you got to do is you've got to instill true. in everyone... You know, you've got to make them responsible for their own actions. Okay. He's actually the founder of, uh, they call it the Laffer Curve. Did I say that already? Yeah. yeah. I want that. I yeah. want the Miller Curve. <laughs> the Miller Curve. Yeah. But what about the exactly Miller Effect? The, the Miller Effect. That would, I'll take that one too. I don't think it would be a positive connotation. But <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it would be. I, I think put, it would I want to put parameters on the, what that actually means. You've had a good Miller Effect on me, so. Oh, oh. oh that's oh. A, and, and you, me. It's the Peterson Effect. Well, no, it's my curves that affect you. <laughs> so it's the JJ curves. <laughs> it's all the donuts in the yeah. Uh, office. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, another, you know, Again, Ali, thank you so much for introducing and trusting us with your friend. That was very, very kind of you. Oh, it was an honor. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.